Tanya Jane, how the devil are you? Happy St. Patrick's Day. And to you, um, I'm well. I'm still trying to get back into the swing of recording. As I was saying in our little tiny pre-show there, I was like, oh, right, recording. Yeah, this. How does this work? What do I do? Do I need a, an iPad or something for this? What happens? <laughs> Chaos. Absolutely. I mean, it has been, oh, a matter of weeks since you last were at, on at the mic. At least three. <laughs> Absence makes the heart grow fonder and the podcasting skills languish, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite as catchy as the original, I don't think. <laughs> How are you? I'm uh, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, we're, we're having a bit of a cold snap in Cyprus, which I, I appreciate is probably a relative thing, but it was minus two last night, which is oh, brr, okay. brr, That's proper cold. I thought you were going to be like, it was 23 and you were freezing. <laughs> Well, what happens at this time of year for us is that it's uh, winter appears at this point never ending. And it's sort yeah. of just a bit cold and damp and sort of rain comes along at inconvenient moments. And then one night you go to bed and at around about 2.45, somebody flicks the switch and it becomes <laughs> summer. And you wake up literally with a sort of 15 degree up to uptick in temperature you're like where has that come from uh and then it doesn't it's rain like for nine months savings yeah, yeah it's like daylight savings it just sneaks in Day- daylight saving tj there's, there's no plural it's not a bank well <laughs> if you have eight, several years worth it's several <sighs> i don't know it's one of those ones where like easter still don't know when easter is 30 years old i know there's an equation but the equation relies on on movable feasts yes and so i still don't know when those are uh, I've, I've got a better chance of getting it right than you because I have two to aim for. <laughs> <laughs> Split the difference, land somewhere in the middle of your grand. Yeah, they're either they're either the same week or they can be, I think, a maximum of five weeks apart. <laughs> Nothing like a good spread for your answer. Just just a nice month plus window that this thing could happen. In. And how are things in the Emerald Isle? They're well. Yeah, we. Um... Weather update, because that's what we do. Of course. It's uh, it's a little chilly. What are we on? Eight degrees right now, so it's, it's warmer than you. But the the sign of impending spring was upon us today <gasps> in that one of our neighbours had daisies in the garden. Wow. Now, like little little small daisy, white flowers. Um, quite common just in grass here. Did the whole um, neighbourhood come round and look at them and go, look at that, there's spring? <laughs> well, sort of, because it was like, those were not there yesterday. Like, they just appear, like, I'm not talking like little buds or anything, just no, no daisies, no, just grass, and then a field of white. You're like, oh, spring, spring is springing, I think. Well, they go. So, yeah, that's the first sign we've had. We had a little hint, a little smidge of sunshine as well. So it's starting to feel a little bit like the the ice is thawing, even though we haven't had proper ice in a while. Like, it's not really been that cold, but sure. it's been miserable and it's been grey. So having anything towards that kind of spring and then maybe a bit of summertime would be lovely. And of course, it's St. Patrick's Day, so presumably everybody mm-hmm. is swinging off the lampposts, singing old Irish songs. <laughs> Every waterway uh, and po- any body of water larger than a mug is green. Uh, that is the mandate. Actually, none of them are, because that's not, as far as I know, something that we do. <laughs> so I remember I saw a video recently of them. I think it's Chicago, does it, with the, mm-hmm. the river? Yeah, I've got all the bridges. And it's mad. 
<laughs> like it's proper green. Oh yes. And maybe this is this very normal, I presume, for Americans to see this. That, but it was like, oh, okay, sure, that's that's cool. Um, I've never seen that. And maybe they do somewhere here, but I've never seen anything quite so enthusiastic um, on that front. Um, it's a day off here. I'm <laughs> off work today. <laughs> so. um, I I used to drink. Uh, this comes as a huge surprise to everybody. Uh, I used to drink in an Irish pub in Prague. Uh, called the James Joyce. Um, it is. It is. Uh, it, it still exists, but in a different form and in a different place. But anyway, it was the first Irish pub in in Prague. Oh, and as an interesting tangent, an enterprising Scottish English guy wanted to open another Irish pub, sort of adjacent. So he thought, "Wow, look at the business they're getting. I, I want a bit of that." And the the Prague Town Council wouldn't let him open another Irish bar because it's Prague. You don't need Irish bars. <laughs> so get this. He opened <laughs> he opened a Cuban bar called O'Chase. <laughs> which of course everybody pronounced as O'Shea's. Uh but yes, anyway, back to the James Joyce. The um <laughs> the the second manager there um was a guy from uh, Redza, where his name is. Hi, Redza. Um, who's from Ballymun, which is... Um, have you ever seen The Commitments? The movie? Uh, no, I don't mm, think so. Oh, okay, well, you should. You should. It's a great movie. Uh, but there's a scene in The Commitments where um, one of the co-stars gets into a, a lift in a sort of tenement building mm-hmm. and uh, has to hold open the door as a little guy comes in with a horse. Um, that was filmed in Ballymun. Um, Bally, Ballymun is a tough part of, of Dublin on the north side. And, and Redza was not, not one for any nonsense. You didn't give Redza too much nonsense. And the great sport for us at St. Patrick's Day was to sit uh, at one end of the bar and wait for the tourists to come in. Um, <laughs> several of whom would, would demand green Guinness and the language, TJ. Honestly, it would, <laughs> oh, it would make a corporal of the horse blush. It was fantastic. This volley of incomprehensible Irish-accented swear words. Uh, all you could really get was the consonants, but f- they were enough. <laughs> Angry were consonants, enough. yeah. Well, there we are. That's there's a tangent early in the day. Ah, enough of this nonsense, TJ. What are you writing with? Well, I pulled out what sort of came next in the pencil tray. Just sort of did a lucky dip, just to see what was there. And I'd been using it not that long ago, which is why it's on top. And it's a Tombow Mono One Hundred oh, yeah. HB. Mm-hmm. I've just sharpened it up, and it's very, very pointy, very, very sharp. And it's lovely. I'm writing in the. The Wilder Notes, um, sort of a five size. I'm not sure what the technical name is. Uh, it's a nice orange cover, like mm-hmm. a burnt orange. Um, it's it's our new show notes book. It's lovely. It's got a dot grid. And just with this really sharp point, it's really nice because the dot grid, you can just sit and draw little squares. Do you ever do that with a dot grid? You just sort of fill in cubes mm-hmm. and slowly add them up. And so that's what I'm doing now. But yeah, Tombow Mono 100 with the Wilder Notes is my go-to for today's notes but cool. to be honest i have not done a massive amount of writing in the real world recently just because I've, I've not needed to um i did i carry the little brass midori 
you know, the little yeah. bullet pencil type thing. Yeah, yeah. That's inside my wallet. And so I had a uh, need for it the other night where I for dinner and needed to write something down. And so I, someone asked, do you, do you have a pencil? <laughs> do you know who I am? <laughs> Flip the wallet up, you know, dramatically and then pull the, the brass Midori and then you pull it. And I think it, it, it was obviously, if you know what the brass Midori is, it's sort of a half sized pencil. So anything in it is a, a stub by design, but sort of halfway up. So you, you don't necessarily have the back end of the pencil. You maybe have from the point back about an inch or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not actually sure what's in it. I think it's one of the black, black wings. Okay. Uh, but I dropped it at one stage uh, previously. And so it's got this really gnarly chunked out tip. And I didn't have a sharpener there with me. So it was just, well, I just got to write through the pain here. So it's it's just a really gnarly crushed point on a tiny little black wing. But even then it was still lovely to write with. There you go. You see, and whoever, you know, anybody watching you, I thought, Mike, he's, gonna, he's pulled a bullet out of his wallet. What's going to happen next? <laughs> and then he started writing on the menu. Yeah, yeah which was, was less interesting than we feared. Uh, well, I am um, obviously, in, in honour of St. Patrick, I am using a virulently green uh, Lummi Safari. Um, and I mean, this really is green. This is uh, sort of Shrek green. <laughs> um, it's got a much nicer green ink, which is a sort of more of a sort of bright foresty one, which I think is probably, that's probably a Lamy ink. I'm not sure. I, I lucky dipped out my little cartridge bag. So, um, But yeah, these pens are cheap and cheerful. Um, mm. They're quite opinionated because of the way the grip works. But... They're lovely to write with, I have to say. They're, they're not my favourite by any did stretch. You, did you lucky dip for green or did you just love, lucky dip and got green? I lucky dipped and got green. Oh, there you go. Yeah, well, St. Patrick. St. Patrick is strong in me. I do have the Guinness <laughs> Toucan tattooed on my shoulder after all. Um, <laughs> good. I don't know where all this nonsense is coming from tonight. Uh, clearly. <laughs> Too, too long on the golf course. And I'm writing in the podcasting book, which is still, for the moment, um, a Leuchtturm. It's all very Germanic tonight. Uh, and I'm on page 83 of 123. So, yeah. That's a good way through. Yeah, working through. I, you know, it's, it's German engineering. They're great notebooks. Um, and this one's sort of a bright red cover. Matching my Apple Watch. Yeah, there you go. Very nice. Mm. What have you been watching, DJ? Well, uh, as as in your show note, as I'm sure everybody is, um, the real life horror, the horrible stuff that's going on in Ukraine right oh, now gotcha. is what I'm mostly watching. Um, we talked about this. We had, a, we had a sort of a chat with Justin not that long ago. We have a little call every couple of weeks, and that's kind of what we were talking about. Mm. And it's it's awful. It's truly awful. Um, I don't want to get into it on the podcast. That's not what the podcast is for. Uh, I will post some links for um, the Red Cross and UNICEF and different places you can donate and help. And there's the, the UK sort of sponsor people to, to stay with you as well for people coming in as well. So there's all kinds of ways you can try and help. Um, but yeah, that's it, it seems trivial to jump into TV shows that I watched. I will talk about them after this, but I just wanted to mention that now because mm. as I'm sure you are aware, it's, it's weighing very heavily on both of us. Well, I, I was, um, every Wednesday, I have um, a, a Nero's call with Claire, 
Um, so mm. li- listeners to the podcast will know who Claire is. She's the person that makes Nero's work. And uh, we were chatting away about the new field notes, which is very nice, by the way. We'll, we'll probably go on that tangent later. Um, and in the background, I could say, Claire, what's going on? There was absolute <laughs> chaos behind her. Um, whereas Nero's HQ is usually full to the rafters of stuff, but it's usually pretty organized. Like, what's going on? And the whole, I posted something on the Nero's Instagram um, mm-hmm. about yesterday, 16th. Um, Bags and bags and bags and bags and bags of stuff that uh, the office that we're we're in a sort of small serviced office block, if you like. Um, and one of the companies there, uh, who I think are called Miaka, I'm going to say, um, have organised several uh, big vans to drive to the the Polish Ukrainian border, full of supplies. Um, and all the companies in the block and all the people rounded about have just been donating. Um, and they've been donating so much, he's, ha- he's having to put on more vans. Uh, and obviously, Claire, being Claire, was right in the middle of all this and has been working tirelessly <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know, incredible. Uh, it's, yeah. it's amazing how all these horrible, terrible things also bring out some of the best things. Yeah, that's, I mean, we talked about this before. Um, that's what gives me hope is seeing the the people rising to the occasion and being good and wonderful and and going out of their way to be good and help, and that that is what raises your spirits when you see what horrible stuff is happening. Yeah, I'm going to give you two two things that I I remember from the last couple of weeks. One was a, a joke by David Bedil, um, who is a, a Jewish English comedian. Uh, probably most well-known for It's Coming Home, It's Coming Home, Football's Coming Home. He did that song with with Frank Skinner. Uh, he's a very funny man. And uh, having watched one of the speeches from uh, Zelensky, uh, the president of Ukraine, he, he tweeted that he was feeling a little inadequate uh, as an impossibly high bar had been set for Jewish comedians, because that's what Zelensky was before he became possibly the most inspirational president we've ever seen, uh, yeah. which I thought was brilliant. And then uh, Russia, a couple of days ago, sanctioned some uh, Americans uh, as sort of retaliation for the sanctions that had been placed on Russia. Uh, and included in that list was Hillary Clinton, who, as far as I'm concerned, won the internet with the following tweet. Uh, she, she said, I would like to thank the Russian Academy for this Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, which I just thought was remarkably witty. Well done, her. Yeah, you got to find something in the, in the bad times, you know? Of course. But anyway, what about TV? What you've had a month of television and movie watching. You've probably seen four hundred movies. I have not. Hmm. Uh, it's been a disappointing uh, collection of watching. Uh, too much doom scrolling on my part. But as sure. you say, links in the description. We'll uh, we'll move on to watching. And I actually started a new one on Apple TV. Uh, you might have seen it advertised. You might have talked about it. Severance. Uh, yeah, I've heard a couple of people talking about, it, but I've not watched anything. Yeah, so I've seen the first episode. That's all I'm going on so far. Um, I think it's directed by Ben Stiller. Not sure. I think so. Uh, it's 
first episode. It's good. It's strange. It's it's kind of like a cross between Office Space and uh, sort of Lovecraftian horror. It's a really weird mixture. Uh, it's very mundane and also very terrifying in the same vein. Um, interesting premise. I don't want to spoil too much. Uh, do you know anything about it? Um, I don't, no. Uh, I think you might quite enjoy it. It's, again, a grain of salt, first episode only. It may well change or it may not be exactly what I expect. But effectively, he, the main character, splits his brain so that when he's in work, he can only remember work things. And when he's at home, he can only remember home things. And so from his work personality perspective, he appears in the lift every morning and walks into the office and then walks back into the lift at the end of the day. And it's the next day. From his home perspective, he you know gets up in the morning, gets dressed, drives to work, gets into the lift, and then appears in the lift again, walking out of the building. So these two halves of his life never intersect. Well, the first episode, the premise is that they're not supposed to intersect. I presume, I'm guessing, they may. Um, really, really interesting. And so there's people in work that he knows in work, but then doesn't know outside of work. Uh, again. I'm sort of riffing on episode one. So if you if you find the concept or the idea of it interesting, go and watch it. Uh, they're doing a weekly release on Fridays, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think there's four or five of them out so far. Really different. And I really appreciate the tech is lovely. The, the, the sort of retro futuristic computers. Uh, it's very stylized. It's very interesting. Um, and if you've ever seen Office Space, that movie about smashing printers, among other things, it's that kind of overbearing corporate sort of yeah, I don't know fluorescent lights and cubicles and it just feels like a, a weight on your shoulders uh, they do that very well okay. uh, so I've watched the first episode and I'm going to watch a few more and see if it continues in that vein but it feels it feels weird and creepy and strange and interesting well you on the director you are mostly right so six episodes are directed by Ben Stiller uh-huh. Uh, and in keeping with our St. Patrick's Day theme, uh, three others are directed by someone's name spelt A-O-I-F-E. Um, That's Aoife. Yes, Aoife McArdle, whom I'm assuming is Irish, or at least of <laughs> Irish extraction. She directed three episodes. So there you are. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yes, I've only seen the first one, but again, it's one of those ones that it's very different from anything else I've seen recently. So I want to sit down and watch some more of that. And then Meg and I have actually been on a little movie kick recently. Um, I don't know how we started. I think we watched it a couple of months ago. We watched Die Hard. Uh, and I'd seen it many times before. Um, but I think Meg had maybe watched it once or had seen it in passing. Uh, and so we went, sat down and watched that. And that was good fun. Mm-hmm. And then so the other night we sat down and watched Die Hard 2 and I'd actually confused them because I, I remembered Die Hard 3 which has Samuel L. Jackson in it Yep. and I thought that was the second one I forgot about the airport one which is I hope in my head Die Hard and Speed always get confused because <laughs> Speed I, I, they're nothing alike I know that they're nothing alike as movies Speed 1 is a, a bus Speed 2 is a cruise ship uh, Die Hard 1 is a is a office building Die Hard 2 is a pl- an airport it's just I don't know why those could get conflated in my head, but I ended up, I was like, yeah, so it's the one with the cruise ship airport, <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> but we watched Die Hard 2, which was great. We're going to watch Die Hard 3. And then I think from memory, 
uh, it swiftly falls off quality-wise from there. Uh, yeah, yes. I mean, they all run into to one for me as well. And, you know, there's yeah, three or four lines hard. that everybody remembers. But um, <laughs> and, and, of course, Alan Rickman as Gruber. I mean, yeah, that's the third one, which is why I was confused. I was like, Alan Rickman's not in this one? What is that? Where is this? The, the airport one had obviously yeah, yeah, just... Alan Rickman's in the first one. Oh, that's right. No, it's his brother in the film. See, <laughs> the confusion abounds. The confusion continues. Honestly, my, my film critic has taken the month off, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry about this. <laughs> He's just been sleeping for a month. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, uh, good things to watch. Escapism. Mm. And the good guys win. Absolutely. Uh, well, I've been watching Peaky Blinders, which is being released sort of episode by episode on the BBC. Um, the, the final season. Um, did, did you watch all the ones before? Did you get into Peaky Blinders? I, I can't no, remember. funny enough, my barber asked me this as well. Do you watch Peaky Blinders? I'm like, I think I've seen two seasons. And, uh-huh. then I, and again, it's that I didn't dislike it. It was pretty interesting. I liked that it was set because it's set uh, sort of post-World War One, So it's the interwar period, isn't it? Correct. Yep. Which is not a setting that many TV shows go into. A lot of TV shows, especially BBC stuff, will either go World War Two mm-hmm. or the 80s. You know, they they often don't go back that far. Sure. And so for me, the it's a very different era to be shown on screen. It's not as well known. It's not as well trod. So that's what I really liked about it. And these were really interesting characters who were gray in their motivations um, in a world that you sort of is vaguely familiar from history, but not necessarily something you know an awful lot about. Mm. Well- but. I didn't dislike it. I just, it fell off the watch list and it hasn't come back on yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, as the seasons progress, um, time does as well, funnily enough. T- yeah. Time does that. Um, and, you know, the, we're now in the late 30s. So um, Mosley oh, okay. yeah. is, um, you know, sort of trying to, to ramp up fascism in the UK. Uh, and, yeah, we're, we're moving to where well, you can... Long time viewers can see the pieces being moved into place for what I yeah. assume is going to be quite a quite a bloodthirsty and big climax. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I I loved the darkness of it. I loved the music of it. Um, mm. I loved the way that it sort of focuses on uh, a gypsy family, um, which is you know, there's all sorts of sort of I suppose unspoken taboos about how. Uh, your part of the world, my part of the world regards Gypsy. Um, and it, it plays with all of those tropes, which I think is really interesting. Mm. Um, uh, but it is also quite a lot of sort of stylized violence as well, I guess, which appeals to my uh, baser side, I suspect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. L is distinctly unimpressed by the whole thing. She falls asleep in moments when it comes on. Um, but that's really all there's been some nonsense that she's been watching um what was the most recent one it was uh, house i think has just finished oh yeah Um, no not that house um (laughs) there that i would have liked no this is a shorter thing um where uh it's just finished it was sort of four nights on itv and the centre of the plot is that there's a sort of blackmail going on and two divorcing partners are 
simultaneously being blackmailed and end up losing their house. And it's all a bit sort oh. of weird. Um, it's a bit strange. Margaret liked it. I didn't. And then the one we watched before that was Responder, but I think we spoke about that last month. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which was, um, oh, what's his face? There you go. There's, there's, uh, Martin name? Freeman. Martin Freeman with a Scouse accent. Ah, eight, ah, eight. Um, and <laughs> his was sort of really, really heavy um, to the extent that Lord Sugar uh, tweeted that, that he could, I don't that was going on. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I also watched? I went to the cinema and I saw <gasps> The Batman. The Oh, I've, I've heard conflicting reviews. Some people appear to loathe it, whereas a one or two <laughs> seem to quite like it. I, um, I don't want to give anything away. People can watch the, the film and make their own decisions about whether they like it or not. I don't really understand the point of why it was made. Um, one of the, like, The Dark Knight, I think, is... I, I, okay preface batman really isn't for me it's not my favorite kind of franchise superheroes are a little bit played out i think it's i don't enjoy them as much as i did sort of 10 15 years ago when they were starting out um batman particularly not something that i would jump in oh yes i have to watch this i did really enjoy the dark knight ones the christopher nolan ones i thought they were very well done i thought they were gritty i thought they were interesting i thought the joker film from a year or two ago whenever it was was very well done um so i have liked them in the past this kind of felt like someone had seen all those other movies and went yeah but i want to make it again and then did that and then made it three hours and i was like oh right so we've both seen the same film and this felt like you sitting in the pub trying to write in the back of a napkin describing how you would have made that film and it was just a bit like okay there was those three times i thought the film was ending and it was not Oh, I've heard somebody else say that. Yeah, it sort of tries to finish three times. <laughs> it's like the way you need one ending. No, 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 no. We'll just put all three that we like in and we'll just let the viewer choose when to walk out. <laughs> mm, it's an interesting approach, I suppose. Yeah, I not my not my cup of tea, but some people might enjoy it. I hate, I hate saying because <laughs> funny that I chatted with the, the barber about this as well. And I said, oh, have you seen it? He says, no, 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 no. And someone else is like, yeah, it was rubbish. And I was like, well, I wasn't going to say. I didn't want to yell. I hated it. You shouldn't watch it. Because it's not necessarily my thing. And so me not liking it doesn't really have any bearing on you not liking it. Um, but I just kind of was confused as to what the point was. There was a lot of stuff that felt like it was there for someone else. Like someone really, 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 really wanted to see another Batman movie where he kind of does exactly the same stuff as another Batman movie. Like, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and there, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of the Batman. What about listening? Have you been listening to anything exciting? Ooh, yes, I'm, well, listening slash reading. Um, I'm really on a, a Daniel Suarez kick at the minute, uh-huh. um, who's an author that I really enjoy. And his first book that I ever read, Demon, was written, I think, in the 90s. And it was really, really good. And there was something quite nostalgic and pleasant about it being set in the 90s because some of the references were of that era. And so, the you know, it's very tech heavy. It's very uh, computery. And so there's a real focus on the technology and how it works. And so sometimes you'll hear and you're like, well, that hasn't been used for at least 15 years. No one has a pager. What is a pager? I've never seen one. 
And so there's stuff like that that doesn't quite translate to 2020 or 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is called Kill Decision, uh, which is right up to date. It's very, very modern. And so it's it's the same writing style that I really enjoyed, the same real attention to detail and focused technical writing. But, you know, it's it's up to date. It, there's nothing in this that couldn't happen. And some of it, which is maybe a bit ahead of us. Um, fascinating. So it's called Kill Decision. And uh, without spoiling too much about what's in it, uh, it deals with... Um, what's the word what's the word for someone who studies ants it's like someone who studies ants yeah like i can't remember the exact name something give me them like myrmecologist or something i can't remember anyway uh the study of ants weaver ants in particular uh and swarming autonomous drones uh so fascinating uh a little prescient a little scary um but really interesting in the way that they deal with the the political stuff, the socioeconomic stuff, how it interacts and how the, you know, the, the perfect storm of technology can um, be the perfect storm. Myrmecology. Mm. So, Myrmecology, yes. There you go. The study of ants, uh, which is fascinating, talking about how ants are effectively one creature of many components and that they can react in ways that are um, greater than the, the sum of their parts. Good. Um, really, really interesting. And then that is a computer model for, you know, robots is another st- area of study. Uh, but bad guys are using it for bad things in this one. Uh, and I, I've only, I think it's a 12, 13 hour novel. Mm-hmm. I'm only probably three or four hours in. So we're really just getting started. But I love books like that because they feel like a movie. You're reading them and there's a, there's a certain amount of expectation. There's a certain amount of payoff that you kind of can guess. But there's also the twists and the turns along the way. So it is a, it's a good, interesting book. Well, I, just looking up to see if I could find mermology for you. Um, yep. Here's a headline that will arrest you. Study finds ants can be trained to sniff out cancer. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, so a new study out of France, uh, you know, shows that ants can be trained to differentiate between healthy and cancerous cells using their advanced sense of smell. Good mm. Lord. Well, there's, there's one for you to all look up. Um, that sounds, sounds very much up your alley, that book. <laughs> it's a very me book. Yes. yes. Um, that's my listening book. I also have a reading book, uh, but we'll get on to that once you've done yours. Splendid. Well, I, I've not been listening to anything exciting, really. Um, my usual sort of diet of podcasts. Um, mm. Uh, I've I've just started a new one called the Morning Meeting, or just Morning Meeting, I think, uh, which comes out of a, an American organisation called Airmail. Uh, the the one that I happened upon, uh, the first piece was an interview with a teacher living in Russia, um, mm. talking about uh you know, censorship and news and, and uh, you know, current goings on. So fascinating. I really enjoyed that. Um, and, yeah, the usual sort of tech stuff. Everybody's been getting very excited, Apple events, all that sort of stuff. Um, mm. And, yeah, the usual sort of the playlisty, focusy, chilly, relaxed type stuff. Uh, need to listen to some more music, I think. Mm. Mm. I'm making a note. <laughs> what about reading reading what have you been reading reading well i'm continuing my terry pratchett uh phase no 
quest? Mm. Exploration? Who knows? I I'm reading more Terry Pratchett, and so I'm on to, I think this might be book 13 or 14, Lords and Ladies. Uh, and it's it's everything that one could hope and expect from a Terry Pratchett book. It's it's well written. It's fun. As I said before, this is my kill decision is a really interesting book, uh, but it doesn't make for light bedtime reading. Sure. Um, and more often than not these days, it's nice to have something that's less heavy, something that's fun and interesting, and and very much not of this world, very much away from uh, the realities of what's happening. And Terry Pratchett does that very, very well. Very human people that aren't necessarily human. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's good. It's fun. It's witches. It's strange goings on. And in the way that Terry Pratchett only can, it's that kind of, you don't quite know what it's about until you get halfway through it. And then you realize exactly what it's about, what he's making fun of, what he's lampooning with it. Uh, so, yes, I, I'm really enjoying that. And I will somehow finish the rest of the 25 30 books i have left but i'm quite enjoying having that runway ahead of me instead of chasing down brilliant excellent um well i'm reading um well i'm doing loads of reading at the moment quite a lot of non-fiction but uh this is this is fiction and it's called the island of missing trees by elif shafak um look that one up ladies and gents it's brilliant that there are some phrases in that book that i I sort of highlighted as I read it, I thought, I wish I'd written that. Just beautifully economical, but evocative. Mm. Uh, just, oh, fabulous, fabulous talent. And sickeningly, this is someone writing in their second language. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> English, think, of course, yes. Yeah. basic, simple language. <laughs> you, you, I mean, no, that's just rubbing it in, really. Um <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a book about Cyprus, which obviously would appeal to me. Um, but it's about the um, the division, if you like, back in seventy four. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And one of the narrators, there are several narrators, but one of the narrators is a fig tree. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't have a better recommendation for a, for a book than. It's narrated by a fig tree. Uh, but yeah, honestly, I, I would be astonished if anybody read that book and didn't like it. Okay, it's on my list. I uh, like it. Sure. Drinking. What are you drinking? Something green. <laughs> well, no, something oh. blue, yellow, and red. And I've kept it until now. Ready? ASMR. It's a seatbelt. <sighs> Could be. No, it's not. That would be irresponsible. Um, also, I'm in my my office and so confusing. That is the 18th beer, the last Foster's Good Lord, Box. man, you must be hammered. <laughs> oh, no, 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 in four months. Oh, right. <laughs> Since I bought these uh, pre-Christmas, these beers, uh, in the hopes that, you know, we'd you know, have family over and people might drink them, and no one did. And so it's just been me dutifully every sort of two to three weeks going, I might have a singular beer. And then doing that. So that, this is a nice cold Foster's, um, which is a nice, easy drinking beer, which Listen, is what I enjoy. Listen, you raging alcoholic. I, I've got to take you up on your maths here, or math for our American listeners. Mm -hmm. Four months, four weeks in a month, 60. You've been going at more than one a week, Cosgrove. Yeah, clearly got a problem. And uh, yeah, this is the last one in the box. The, the other box is still sitting there. I bought two boxes of 18 
quite optimistically thinking we would get through them when we did not. So uh, I'm sitting down for St. Patrick's Day and enjoying a nice cold beer. Uh, and then I'll probably not drink for another six to eight months. <laughs> uh, splendid. Well, I, I'm, I'm drinking fizzy water, ladies and gentlemen. I kid you not. Mm. Um, but it is in a green bottle. So it's, it's St. Patrick's Day themed. It's all right. Um, but no, I've, uh, I've got a business trip coming up ooh, almost exactly a month from now. I will be going back to the ooh. UK to see, uh, see my mum and go see some clients, and, you know, back in the real world, which is a bit scary when you look at the COVID numbers. But anyway, um, currently I've got two pairs of jogging pants that I can wear. <laughs> or, That's more than you need. Or some very hard-working golf shorts, which have got a sort of elasticated <laughs> waist that really is going above and beyond the call of duty. Um, it's fair to say that I ate COVID. That, that's probably what happened. Um, and so, yes, there's no booze, no, no sweet treats. We're, we're in monk mode <laughs> trying to get <laughs> the possibility that I have any clothes that I could actually wear to a meeting without looking like a complete slob. Um, so, yes, it's all very abstemious in the Lennon household, he said. Mm. Although I am going to a St. <laughs> Patrick's Day event, which obviously isn't on St. Patrick's Day. It's on, uh, it's on Saturday. Uh, sort of golfing-y sort of thingy. But uh, I'm drives, so... The worst I can probably do is a, is a, a couple of pints of the black stuff. Uh, there we are. Sad <laughs> days indeed, TJ. Sad days. Buying. What have you been buying? Oh, well, I finally got something that I've wanted for a while. Um, and I've held off because they're expensive and I didn't really need them. So I bought myself a really good keyboard. Uh, it would have been the start of COVID in and around. Well, no, even before. Actually, I think it's a couple of years now. Um, it's a uh, Philco, mm-hmm. uh, full 10 key uh, keypad, wireless Bluetooth keyboard. It's basically a small battleship. Um, it's really heavy. It's got a big metal plate in it. It's Bluetooth. The batteries last for years. And it was a really nice clicky blue MX Cherry keyboard. And I really liked it. I spent a wee bit of money. Um got that for for working from home and it's done really really well and at the time i remember speaking to the the company and being like do you have any keycaps could you have anything i could get and they were like yeah we have some you may not need them i don't think the the keys on it are fine you'll enjoy them my suggestion is try those first and then you can always come back and and get some and i did exactly that i kind of had the keyboard and it is lovely and the keycaps that on are quite well done didn't really feel i needed anything but always saw you know, the shiny keycaps. If you ever see anyone who builds mechanical keyboards, um, there's some really nice keycaps out there. Mm-hmm. And it always was the back of my, oh, oh, that's quite, oh, that's really nice. That's really nice. And so I happened to be on Amazon the other day and there was an offer. Uh, so it was a reasonable price anyway. I think it was like 40 quid or something for the, the, the box of them. And when I say box, I mean a full plastic folding case where all the keys are you know stacked inside and a, a tool for taking them on and off. And mm-hmm. these are, what's the technical term again? Double shot. So there's there's two pieces of plastic. There's the legend, which is the letter, is embedded in a physical plastic inside the key. So if you imagine it's two pieces of plastic molded, there's the key outside, the white shape, and then there's the legend, the letter. It's another piece of plastic molded inside that. 
so they can't actually really wear away. So you can't you rub the legend off as a lot of the laser engraved ones are. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're very high quality. And they were about 40 quid for the full set. And I thought, ah, I don't need that. And then Amazon did what Amazon, Amazon does best. And they were like, would you like a seven pound voucher for this? And I went, well. Be rude well, not to, wouldn't that. it? <laughs> <laughs> so on a, on a whim, I ordered them. And oh, they are lovely. I'll send you a picture. Um, slackers, you can check the Slack for them. I will paint a mind picture for everyone else. Uh, so my keyboard is, imagine the big keyboard you would have had maybe 10, 15 years ago. It's the full uh, QWERTY layout with your numbers and then your F numbers above. And then there's the arrow keys on the right. There's your six little page up, page down, home end, all that stuff. And then there's your your 10-digit keypad on the right of that. So it's quite wide. I mean, we're talking, I don't know, about a foot and a bit wide. And so all those keys were previously black and they had, as most keyboards do, the, the letter up on the left side, sort of pushed over and pushed up, um, which I never liked. It always bothered me that they weren't centered. And so these ones are mustard yellow Ooh. and white. So all of the action keys, the arrows, the up downs, the, the function keys are all yellow, like a mustard yellow. And all the other ones are like a creamy white. And all the legends, all the text is printed in purple. And, oh, they're very nice. Now, there's loads of extra keys there. You can have purple space bar. You can have a purple arrow keys and do all that stuff switched around. The one I'm using is is basically yellow and white with purple keys. Oh, <laughs> it's one of those things that shouldn't be that satisfying. It shouldn't be this enjoyable to have a nice keyboard. Like, the keyboard itself is lovely, but having really nice, well-sculpted keys on top. Um, I can't remember the exact term, but the, the actual sculpt of those keys, the keycaps, is slightly taller and slightly more, what's the word? It kind of comes in and so it kind of hugs your fingers a little better. It's not like the little chiclets you get on a, an iPad or a MacBook where it's just a little flat rounded square. Mm-hmm. These are kind of obelisks that come up and rise to a little dish at the top. Yep. Um, and they're, oh, it's lovely to type on. It looks amazing. I'm looking at it right now, just sort of stroking it and going, oh, this is beautiful. And it's unnecessary, right? No one needs this, but it just makes me happy. Um, and it was one of those things I just waited so long. I was like, no, I don't know. I don't, don't need that. I don't need that. And then it popped up and I thought, oh, I'm just going to treat myself. And I'm very glad I did. It's brilliant. <laughs> Splendid. It sounds quite the thing. I look forward to seeing a picture. Mm, I'll send a picture through to you and then in the Slack, if you want to see it, you got to join the Slack. Yeah, there you go. Well, which you join, it's a very complicated joining process. The initiation ceremony mm. is, well, frankly, quite frightening. But um, what you have to do is you have to get in touch with TJ uh, or me and we'll let you in. There you go. <sighs> see if you can manage it. Um, <laughs> the other thing I bought was a, a monitor light. Oh, um, what's a monitor as, light? Quite as exciting. So uh, it's a light that sits on top of your monitor. Uh, okay. It reduces glare because oh. it lights up your keyboard and your desk space immediately in front of you. So there's a couple of brands make them. I think BenQ is one, and they make a really nice one with a little keypad controller on it, but it's about 90 quid. Um, this one is Quintus, Q-U-N-T-I-S, uh, which is, I think, just a, a cheap version of, off Amazon. And it was like 30 pounds, but it's brilliant. It's a little touch capacitive buttons on the top. It'll do brightness sensing so it'll come on brighter as it gets darker you can change the temperature to make it daylight or sort of warmer and uh there's four or five different brightnesses and it just literally clamps to the top of your monitor and shoots straight down Mm -hmm. 
very it's high nice tech. for that, that ambience you know i have i have office lights all over this room but see when i'm actually working sometimes if i'm like show notes were always pitch black for for this podcast because i had the lights on in the office but i don't want to turn the overhead on and so right beside my hand because my keyboard lights up uh, well my my ipad keyboard lights up um i never really needed it until i started writing notes and i was like i can't see what i'm writing i'm just gonna guess <laughs> so having this little task light now is lovely um i'd looked at them before and it was one of those ah oh, well you know why not Kurt, you are you are living life on the edge tj this is very unlike you I'm chugging beers, buying things with six, real money. 67 pounds. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, to 67 pounds, that's half a honeymoon. Um, <laughs> what have I been buying? Oh, this will probably make you laugh. Um, organizing a business trip again. I'd forgotten how much I loathe the logistics <laughs> of travel. Um, and I just want to appear there. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's further complicated by two <laughs> major factors. The first is that I had vouchers from previous flights that have been cancelled. So I had to use oh, of those. Course. Um, and that, that makes something that's already a really awkward pain in the backside even more awkward. But still, we managed to, to navigate that. The, the real then killer problem is I'm travelling with my wife. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, she, she has this unerring ability to to watch me sort of fight through, uh, in this case, the British Airways website, and to get some dates and to, some logistics. Right, okay, here the Oh, can we not go a bit later? Yes, we could do, <laughs> but it'll be an extra £500. Hmm. No, not hmm. I'm not spending £500. You can either get up early or not go. Oh, and that one coming back. That's a bit late, isn't it? Can we go? Uh, I refer you to my earlier statements. <laughs> I've just spent six hours doing all this. So anyway, we we got, get the thing booked. Great. And then we're looking at all of the commitments. And this is true for, you know, a million and one people. All of the obligations that we have, commitments, things that we want to do. Um there's her family up in North London. There's my family, uh, well, my family, my mum down in Hampshire. And there's this little thing called Easter that pops up in the middle. Who knew? Um, and so the original plan was that I was going to, because Margaret can't really travel because of her back and everything. So she can't, you know, she can't lift a suitcase into the um, overhead. Uh, for, you know, a metro station becomes mission impossible because she can't get up the stairs, you know, that type of thing. So. I will take her to North London, say hi to all her family, because I really like them as well. But um, I'll, basically, I'll kind of drop her there. The plan was I would stay for lunch and then I'll go down, except it's Easter Sunday. So, I'm like, okay, well, look, I kind of need to drive down and have Easter Sunday lunch with my mum. It you know, seems only fair. Uh, so, you know, we're working out all of these logistics. And then from there, I've got to go to Bristol uh, to do some work. Um, so that already now we're in the, in the world of, of car hire, which you can, uh, the, the range of prices you can pay for car hire in the UK is, is astonishing. <laughs> um, my, the first quote I got from a, a major car hire firm, which I won't name, but it's called Avis was 700 and something pounds for this tiny little car. And I've ended up with a similarly tiny little car for about 300 pounds from someone else. I'm thinking. Oh, 
this is this is quite a difference. But anyway, so I'm then going to Bristol. I'm coming back from Bristol to central London where I have to do sort of worky work stuff. Um, and then uh, we're still sort of ironing out how that's all going to work because Margaret will be staying with her sisters and they're all vulnerable people. And do they really want me who's just been on the tube coming around? You know, all of those things are still in the equations. So I've got a hotel room. I say a hotel, I've got a pod, <laughs> a tiny hotel room in London. Um, and we'll sort of see see how that all works out. Mm. Whilst doing that, uh, I was just gradually putting each sort of piece in place. So I've got the flight, got the car. Right, we need a hotel for North London when we arrive. Okay, we've got that one, one night. Right, then I am going to my mum, so I don't know, okay, and okay, Bristol. Now, somehow, I don't know how I managed to do this, but every time I was looking up this hotel or chain of hotels in Bristol, I would put in my date, the search date, do the search, and then it would default back to today's date. And at some point, I pressed fire. Oh, no. And so booked... Literally at six o'clock in the evening in Cyprus, I booked a hotel room for Bristol. <laughs> what, 4 p.m.? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I don't have a VPN operating here. So the, the, the geolocator knows that this guy is in Cyprus booking a hotel room for tonight. That would be physically impossible for him to get to. Anyway. Well, he can teleport. Well, and I, you know, the next morning, essentially my calendar sort of reminded me to check out. And I went, what? Check out. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> and uh, this company, which of course will remain nameless, except it's called Premier Inn. Um, you can't contact them except by telephone. And then by telephone, you go into one of those maze, you know, <laughs> autoresponder mazes holding patterns yeah where they then you know recommend you go to the website which doesn't have the answer to your question because all i was going to do is say look i'm really sorry i'm clearly not paying attention i pressed the wrong button could you just move that to there you can keep the money that's fine move that to there and, and you know we're good um and eventually because this was all on a sort of international call i got claire to do it from the uk um and claire got to somebody at the hotel in Bristol who said, okay, well, you need to get in touch with guest relations. Anybody who's got some time on their hands, go to go to the Premier Inn website and find contact for guest relations. Go for it. Um, you can't. But anyway, I found a form, filled in a form, and the autoresponder came back and said, thanks for your email. Uh, we aim to get back to you within 35 days. Bye. <laughs> oh, no. So you'll be home from this trip and then they'll organize yeah. your booking. So there's there's absolutely no way for me to do anything other than just buy another night and then, you know, deal with the first night and and my my hoped for refund. And I guarantee you I will get a refund. Um, <laughs> even if I have to, to get a new law passed in the House of Commons, I will get I will get a refund. <laughs> I'm just like, oh God, I hate this nonsense. How did I put up with this all the time? Um, <laughs> so that that's really where I've been spending my money uh, you know rooms that I don't need and because um, obviously we're we're all doing war at the moment but COVID numbers are going bananas I don't know if people have noticed that um, yeah. everybody knows about Hong Kong and China that's the big headlines 
But in the UK, they are going through the roof. In Cyprus, they are going through the roof. But there's no focus or attention on it anymore. Um, so uh, Mrs. Lennon, who works at a school, has now got from eight or nine primary school teachers have now given her the full load of masks. I have got more masks in my house than most surgeries. <laughs> different shapes, they're cone shaped, different colours, all sorts. And and periodically, Margaret tries to educate me as to when I should be wearing what. And I, 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 I'm, I'm doing my level best, TJ, but I'm not optimistic, man. I might just wear them all, all the time. <laughs> yeah, like a collage on your head. Yeah, with masks. Nothing could possibly get through. Just, just cover the bases. And I, you know, I'm just imagining that somebody on an airplane is going to turn around to me and say something like, "You don't need to wear that anymore." <laughs> and believe me, I will not be responsible for my actions. Um, I, obviously, don't do that, people. That's not good. Just smile. Um, where are we now? Oh, quoting. Give me some wisdom, TJ. Well, I thought this one was was apt, <coughs> given what's happening. I do not want my picture in your offices. The president is not an icon, an idol, or a portrait. Hang your kids' photos instead, and look at them each time you're making a decision. Vladimir Zelensky. Good advice. Uh, I think we could mm. probably give that to all politicians everywhere, couldn't we, really? Yeah. Uh, I had a similar one. Um, winter is coming. Why Vladimir Putin and the enemies of the free world must be stopped. And that was a book published in 2015 by uh, Gary Kasparov, who um, was the world champion at chess for several years and led the opposition to Putin um, way back when. Uh, and he's quite a good follower on Twitter. Um, he's He's... He's doing his best not to say I told you so every time he tweets. Um, I can understand his frustration, to be honest. Mm. Anyway, parish notices. Parish notices, Mr. Cosgrove. What's going on in the Cosgrove house? Well, as we'll get on to in the topic, it's not quite crunch time for me yet, but it's coming up to crunch time. This is pre-crunch time. Uh, so this is just snack time. I don't know. I don't know. how. <laughs> I've lost my own analogy. A crunch. Uh, Crut time. Um, we're approaching a time period where I'm going to be very, 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 very busy. And so I'm sort of trying to lay the groundwork in getting other things off my plate or streamlined or into holding patterns so that I will have time and energy to focus on everything else. And uh, it's it's going okay. Things are coming together. Doing all the, the usual trying to be organized and then spending too much time being distracted at trying to be organized instead of just being organized. So you're like, oh, maybe I should research productivity methods for 90 minutes instead of being productive for 45. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is, you know, I'm prone to that. I think we all are. Oh, yes, that. guilty as charged. <clears throat> <laughs> so, um, but it's coming together and we'll talk about it in the topic a little more, but it's it's coming together and I feel like May is sort of my my hand in my deadline and then from mid-May onwards, we've got a little trip to London at some stage. Should be lovely. And uh, yeah, we're just looking forward to having a little bit of a, a downtime month or two after that before we see what happens next. Well, splendid. Well, uh, mine is, um, well, I'm, I'm off to the UK as previously uh, advised. Mm. And so the good bit of the, um, the logistics is going right so that day I'm going to be in London. I'm going to meet so and so. Oh, I have an evening free. 
<laughs> what to do with an evening free. So um, I think uh, Randall and Auburn will be, uh, will be getting some of my dollars. It's a very nice seafood restaurant in Soho. Um, fantastic mussels, great oysters, good wine. Um, heartily recommend it to everyone. Um, I shall go and see my mum. I haven't seen my mum in two and a half years, so that's going to be going to be nice. Um, and yeah, as I said, even a bit of work. Uh, hopefully not in jogging bottoms, but I'm not ruling it out. <clears throat> no promises. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yes, 1857 will need to be rescheduled. Um, but that that may fit in with the fact that you'll be, you know, at the grindstone, I imagine. Mm. So we'll... Well, I mean, we, we, can, we can need to figure out what we're going to talk about next week, next month, yeah. next week. <laughs> and then we can, uh, we can slot that. That's no problem. I've got an entire month to not do show notes in. <laughs> Indeed. Do the show notes 20 minutes before the start. Um, 20 minutes, my goodness, that's organized. <laughs> as, we're, as we hit record, I'm writing my show notes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there we go. Um, same sort of thing. Well, Rather than plug anything this week, we both decided that uh, we'd just put some links in the show notes for the Red Cross and USEF and some of the other charities that are helping with the horrible situation in Ukraine. So if you can help, please do. All right. So what are we going to talk about tonight, TJ? We're an hour in. Well, this is, well, naturally, uh, 59, 56. This is a topic that you suggested. um, And it's one that perhaps I haven't talked about it much. So it may may be a surprise to some people. It may not. back to school because we are both adult learners we are both doing learning outside of school because we've gone back to do something else because glutton for punishment we want to make sure that we we learn some more get a few more letters after a name (laughs) yes i'm collecting acronyms (laughs) and but you want to talk about yours is the more exciting more recent one what are you doing? <laughs> well, I'm doing uh, an MBA, a, a Master's in Business Administration. Um, and I'm doing it by distance learning. Uh, so it's quite a weird setup. I, um, I contract with a sort of Swiss private company that essentially runs an internet portal. I mean, TJ, you could do this in your spare time. You, you could whip one of these up. <laughs> um, but the uh, awarding university is the University of Cumbria, uh, which is just down the road from the university I first attended, actually, <laughs> funnily enough. Um, and it's, well, it's business administration. So it's, it's, it's quite a lot of codified rubbish. Um, it's quite a lot of, um, I suppose, the shock to the system for someone as ancient as me is um, the formulaic nature of what's required. So mm. I, I had a chat with a professor the other day saying, well, you know, in a real life environment, a business environment, this is how I would approach this. And, and she said, yeah but you're not in a real-life business environment. You're in an academic environment, and you need to approach it like this, as impractical as that might seem. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's a shift in thinking for me because, uh, you know, anybody who's got, got a job will tell you, you know, there's a degree of pragmatism and uh, efficiency, whereas you know, I suppose, you know, it's an academic discipline. I'm, 
the idea is to demonstrate one's learning and understanding. So that's that's really challenging. I'm I'm enjoying it. I've got um, classmates from all over the world, uh, and I mean all over the world: uh, Africans, Americans, uh, Japanese, Chinese, uh, various Arabian countries. I mean, all over the world. So that's uh, mm. in itself pretty interesting. And I'm currently coming close to the. By the time this goes out, I've probably got a few more days to finish. Uh, my my final assignment for unit one. Um, I, I have to do six units, and the final assignment is one hundred percent of the grade. This is it. <laughs> um, so yeah. don't get it wrong. I think it's probably the, the idea. buck stops with this assignment. Yeah, and it's uh, it's organizational behavior as the unit. So it's, oh, there's going to be all sorts of things. There's going to be McKinsey seven S extended 7s there'll be all sorts of stuff in there <laughs> very exciting um and yeah uh, new discipline new, new sort of old bits of the brain waking up and and sort of mm. working a bit bit better and the harvard referencing method uh if if anybody does live anywhere near harvard uh look out because when i come there's going to be trouble the harvard reference Honestly, I I got pulled up, TJ, on my brackets. Well, putting my you, brackets you be, well, in the wrong place. <laughs> the similar problem in programming, but for different reasons. <laughs> so there you go. But what is it you're up to? Because you're you know you're up in the high echelons. Of, I mean, you are halfway up the ivory tower now. <laughs> I am in the the last two months of my three year masters in software development. Um, which I, I don't really talk. I've talked to you plenty, but I don't really talk about in the podcast just because it's something I'm I'm doing in the background. I want to work on it. Um, and I'm really, really enjoying it. And as I said earlier, this is crunch time. This is my final hand in of my personal project. My big, the, the final third year basically is this. Uh, and it hands in in early May. And so there's a lot to do. I've done a lot. There's a lot still to do. There's a lot of polish to be had. And things to make sure all sort of neatly tied together, uh, whereas they're currently just kind of piles of useful things instead of an actual cohesive thing. But I've really enjoyed the project. I've really enjoyed the degree. I'm hoping I do well and finish off and and you know hand in something uh, that I can be proud of. It's <laughs> my supervisor told me that it's, it's not necessarily a case of finishing it and sort of finding a suitable place to abandon it. You know, a suitable jumping off spot where you're like, well, yes, we're giving up here and this is this is good. Um, when to pull the parachute and, and bail out, basically, because you will run yourself into the ground trying and trying and trying to fix and finesse and finalize. And I don't think it'll ever get there. Mm. So it's been a really useful experience for me in a lot of ways for a lot of different skills. Uh, but I think the, the overriding thing that I learned is that I just really like learning. I like studying i like figuring new things out um and it's funny because in a lot of ways our two degrees are very similar not in the content but in the point of them or the the attraction of them to us or us to them so personally i almost went down this path about what about 10 years ago so i had done ict in school and did very well, liked computers, did an awful lot with computers, played video games, built stuff, built websites, did all that kind of stuff and really, really enjoyed it. That was my jam. And 
literally, and I mean literally, on the day that we were picking our things, our UCAS choices to go to university, I kind of about faced and went, ah, computers are cool, but you know what? You know what's better? Film studies. Out of, I mean, I, I liked film. I liked TV. I liked making films and, and the idea of making films. But it was very much like a, no, this is what I want to do and spin away. And so I was on a trajectory to do IT and may well have ended up doing something similar to this uh, at a much earlier juncture. Um, and I've now gotten back into it sort of in my 30s, well, early 30s, in my tw- late 20s. Um, and it's brilliant. And I, it's a weird sort of contradiction in that I, part of me wishes I'd started this earlier. And the other part of me knows that I probably wouldn't be in the same headspace as I am now to be as receptive to it. So I think all in all, it's probably the right time to do it. But it's funny thinking that I might have done this a decade earlier if I hadn't decided to go and make movies. Mm, for sure, yeah. And I mean, that's that's similar to you in that you, you didn't go to business school, but you did run one of several businesses very successfully for several years. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... I, it, it's bizarre, actually, but I, I, sort of eighteen-year-olds, nineteen-year-olds are the people least suited to study. I think um, it's it's in so from experience, yes. Well, in so as, well, yeah, my, mine as well. I mean, you know, I had no real interest in in university. I was uh, I was interested in girls. I was interested in beer. You know, passing interest in rugby and music, but. Um, study not so much I, I have to say um, whereas looking at things now and and sort of examining uh, theory and you know, stuff behind practice because business I suppose incorporates quite a lot of psychology um, a lot of nonsense as I think I've previously said but um, that's really interesting for me to look at uh, in a more uh, I suppose a helicopter view, you know, w- when you're running a business, you try and be strategic, but inevitably you're tactical for quite a lot of the time because, you know, problems arise and you have to deal with them. And, I, uh, you know, you, you hope you can delegate everything away, but it, <laughs> life doesn't work like that generally. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I find it fascinating exploring uh, where ideas come from. I, I enjoy learning the codes. Yeah. I mock them. But I enjoy understanding uh, why academia sees certain things as, as significant. I mean, when you're running a business and you're in a management role, you make a decision and you will communicate that decision. And the reason that we're doing that is because, well, I've thought about this and I've thought about that and this seems to be the best way forward. Let's go do it. You don't then say, as Peter Drucker pointed out in his <laughs> seminal work in 1978, you know, it's it's very much instinctive and evidence-based, whereas academically you're looking for all this all the time. You're looking for uh, backup <laughs> to anything that you want to say. Uh, and interestingly, we, we had a Zoom with the professor just the other day, and nearly 70% of the questions, because uh, I... I I did an analysis because I'm me, um, focused on um, the use of citations and references. And, you know, why do I have to use a citation? This is, you've, you've asked me to tell you what's going on in my company. Why do I need a citation? 
And, you know, these very patient professors sort of saying, well, the reason that you give sight. Of, um, and so, yeah, that's that's really interesting. I'm enjoying it. And I'm, as, you, as you say, I'm not actually that bothered about um, what comes out at the end. And I'd probably rather not fail. <laughs> but what, what I'm interested in is the process and, mm. uh, and exploring these things and then trying to find a way of effectively communicating them within a word count. Uh. <laughs> it is it's a funny thing that the the nature of it being taught um now my my project is self-led but it's sort of directed with the supervisors it's not the same as mm. as first and second year which was the same thing as you kind of doing assignments studying then doing exams that kind of thing mm. the, the nature of it being taught rather than being self-directed is that it has to have a, a structure yeah or else it's impossible to clarify whether you did it or not um, and it, it's funny in, in seeking boundaries to make the, the goals achievable, it can feel, uh, claustrophobic sometimes you're like, well, why do I have to answer like this? You, we both know what I mean. I'm like, yes, but the, the point is that if you don't answer this in this way, or you don't supply this reference, or you don't uh, structure it this way, it's impossible or impractical for us to market and deal with it in a way that is sensible, reasonable, and timely. And it's it's funny that the, the nature of the teaching is that you have to structure it that way or else you couldn't possibly. Otherwise, it's just, well, everybody go and learn what you want and come back and we'll all high five and then we'll go home. You know, it's, <laughs> which is probably quite useful for a lot of things, but not necessarily if you want a specific, you know, if you want to be able to, to say, I have this degree, I have these qualifications, I understand these things. There needs to be a set structure and a boundary there in some form. Um but yeah, it's it's fascinating seeing you come up against it again. Because I mean, my my first time around university, I did film and TV. I actually took a gap year because I missed where I wanted to go by one mark. Uh, so that's why I took a gap year. And so by the time I got to university, I was an old man of 20, mm -hmm. uh, 19, 19, 19, 19 and a half, because I'm old for my age anyway. Um, but whatever the way the birthdays work, I'm August. So I ended up always being sort of the older of the class. Um, graph in terms of age mm -hmm. and so i was just sort of the oldest one of our group um and so i felt like an old man and then acted a bit like an old man it's 9 p.m i'm not going out now <laughs> no 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 certainly not <laughs> um so but even then that was you know six or seven years ago more well, 10 years ago now i suppose um you're making me feel old but it's it's a lot more fresh for me than it will be for you Sure. And so I'm I'm used to that structure. I'm used to the the nature of having to answer it in a very specific way for it to count, uh, which I agree can be very frustrating. But I also understand the necessity of it. Um, it's interesting to hear you coming into it fresh from a a very much business side. You know, you're you're learning how to do business, having been success demonstrably successful in business, and it's like, well, we both know that I can make this work. So why do I need to do it your way? And the point is, well, if you want the degree, you've got to do it this way so we can actually market. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, as you say, it's that um, it, it's that way of it's quality assurance that. Yes. That's sort of forcing me to do the reading because, you know, there's going to be points that you have to you have to bring out. So you must have read that. <laughs> you must have read this, which gives you a yeah. fighting chance of understanding what we're trying to get you to understand. Um, and I say, as you just said, it's an adjustment. It's a way of, oh, mm. hang on, this is, um, but as you discover the code, 
you yes. you begin to drop into okay right so i've said this now i need a citation that's gonna gonna back that up maybe one that's gonna argue with it and then i can explain why that person's still wrong and oh look there we go word <laughs> con- conclusion bang um and also just learning all the c- constraints of you know that you must write an abstract but none of the words in the abstract count sorry <laughs> how much what um and again, you know, they're, they're being very patient at explaining all this and giving us little uh, handouts. And, and, you know, part of the, the best fun really is, is the weekly email that comes out from the student union. Um, that, that, <laughs> that does have me rolling in the aisles, that one. Um, and they just had the student representative elections. So, um, you know, who's going to be the NUS delegates and oh, all, all of these, these things came <laughs> flooding back from my past. And it was all done online because, you know, clearly we're in the 21st century now. And it's brilliant. And for every position, there was one candidate. <laughs> one candidate for every position except for NUS representative where there was one candidate for two positions. student politics are clearly not what they should be everybody's far too busy studying and how do you think it's going to help so your what your motivation was what you wanted to learn you wanted to go back you wanted to to tick that box from before yeah i wanted to graduate so i never graduated from my first degree because i i left um i was alternating between paris (laughs) <laughs> which was really nice, um, where I was earning really good money. Um, I was managing, at the time, the largest bureau de change in the world by turnover. Um, I was, okay, I was 19 years old, but hey. Um, and, <laughs> I, you know, I was, I was living la vida loca. I was having a fantastic time. I had no real responsibilities other than work. Um, but yeah, we we were having a great time. And then at the end of the summer, I'd go, right, I'm going back to uni, guys. And they go, really? Yep. <laughs> so I would fly back to, well, fly back. I'd probably get a coach, actually, in those days, uh, back to the UK <laughs> and go to, to, to Lancaster University, which is a lovely university, but it's a campus university in the northwest of England. So it, it is cold and it is wet. Um, and so I would do whatever it was, 10 weeks of cold and wet, and then I would go back to Paris, where I would be slotted into the management structure somewhere, get start getting paid lots of money, live in a fantastic Paris, uh, Parisian apartment, walk by the Seine, going, this is great. Um, <laughs> Why would I do this? <laughs> yeah, eventually I, I, I decided not to get on the coach and go back to Lancaster. So there's definitely a part of me that wants to say, tick. Um, yeah. And... I mean, that degree would have been in independent studies. So that's entirely self-driven. Uh, and it was the role of postmodernism in the media, <clears throat> which I'm sure you'll all be fascinated to hear my thoughts on that. Um, and they are buried somewhere in an Amstrad word <laughs> processor. Um, they, they may be on a floppy and disk somewhere as well. Who knows? For those, I mean, this will vary for the, the listeners, um, Canadian-American in those days, university would have been free in the UK, right? Yeah, I, it was free. And um, w- I just missed getting a grant for 
my living expenses. So I was at the beginning of the student loan, but for living expenses, right. not for fees. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for a reference, I had a student loan for my fees, which were different. So it was a weird one because I went to an English university, but I had my student finance through Northern Ireland. I think mine was slightly less. Uh, so I think mine was perhaps about 3,300 a year, something like that. Three grand-ish a year for three years. Uh, and then I had subsistence grant that I got as well. So that was kind of, well, I don't know, tw- 15 years later, 20 years later. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but yes, you would have had uh, no fees to pay, no. which made, if you could get in, I guess it made university a nice option because it was, well you know, go and do some lectures sometimes and think about this or whatever, you know, postmodernism in the media, you know, it's, it's very important. I mean, Lancaster was was really at the forefront of that type of thinking. So um, what you had to do was you had to come up with a thesis uh, mm-hmm. and you had to find a supervisor who, who would oversee it. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, you know, there were people doing rock climbing and all sorts. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, I think that's a fantastic thing to do I mean, yeah, it's basically absolutely. postgraduate study as an undergraduate um but for me i had zero taught hours um and my supervisor was happy to meet up sort of once a month or so uh so yeah. so my commitment to university was 15 minutes a week pretty much um if you averaged it out or one <laughs> one hour every four weeks uh, which which left plenty of time for student politics. I was president of my college, uh, I have to say. Um, I, quite how that happened, I don't know. I think somebody got deposed in the middle of a year, and there was a quick by-election, <laughs> which, which which I I I won by by a street, and then I got battered in the uh, in the in the election proper the next time. Um, uh, left quite a lot of time for drinking. You know, there was certainly quite a lot of that going on. Um, and sort of sitting around going, I wish I was in Paris. <laughs> Do you think that if if it had been now, so if you were in your own shoes, everything else is the same, except you can jump on Teams and have your 15-minute meeting with your supervisor, mm-hmm. do you think you would have kept doing it and just done it remote? Yeah, yeah, I think so, because um, I was a very earnest um, teenager and sort of younger <laughs> fellow and i was very very interested in class and the way that class plays out in the uk mm-hmm. probably because my family background is working class but i went to an english public school which was very much upper class yeah and i think we've touched on it before i was a sort of bastard of two nations <laughs> um if i was if i was in bristol where i was from I used to get beaten up for being posh. Um, <laughs> and if I was at school where I was learning, I would be beaten up for being a peasant. Um, and so, so no. I, I sort of saw this, yeah. saw this whole thing play out. And I think that had a, a, an effect upon me. And so, mm. you know, postmodernism media at the time, it was all looking at sort of Marxist theory. And uh, so I was doing a lot of sociology, a lot of Weberian thinking um and trying to work out how all this was playing out and so i got very involved in that i was very interested in that uh and if i could have you know 
fit that in with a life that I felt was slightly more useful than hanging around in the student union getting hammered. I, yeah. I, I suspect I may have, have carried on through to the end of it, but I don't know, I, I wasn't a very disciplined 19 year old and I picked the one course that probably I shouldn't have. <laughs> um, <laughs> if, if, I'd, if I'd done sort of French and business studies, which I think is probably what I, I was lined up to do, then uh, you know, I would have had to have turned up to things and 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 therefore got some marks at least. I, I've been I've always been one of those people who sort of I loathe coursework because coursework <laughs> coursework requires discipline. Um, but I could I could sort of just pitch up at an exam and assuming that I wasn't too hungover, then I would pretty much do well. And that that carried oh, me through O levels and A levels. Yeah, I'm the exact opposite. I hate exams i do okay in them but i hate them i hate the pressure i hate that i have to learn something to then that was one of the things that always got me it's like the learning to then regurgitate and so it became a game that i didn't really enjoy Mm. where it was just how much information can i cram in and then i'm reading in the hallway before i go in i'm reading my note my notes and i'm going to put these notes down and this entire revision period has been a game to see how much information I can retain while I walk up the corridor and sit down in my seat. And then when I turn over the paper, I'm going to just disgorge all of that information onto the page and then write from my notes. And so it felt, to me, it felt silly to have a closed book exam for that. And I remember in school doing that so often and being like, this is not, I'm not, I'm not learning because I want to learn about this subject and be well-versed and be able to you know, converse in it and discuss and, and argue a point. I'm just trying to be enough of a sponge that I can get out to the, the okay, turn over your papers, you may begin, and just go, blah, get everything <laughs> onto the page, and then just write from my notes from there as if I was doing it as homework. Um, that's what got me, and I never, I never liked that, and that's why I don't like exams. And I can do well in them because that's what I do. Sure. And it feels a little bit like gaming the system, um, but I can remember enough information that then when I look at the, the answers that I have against the questions I'm asked, I can formulate an answer, but I like coursework. I like having this project is a nice example because I know exactly what my own work ethic is like. I know how much time and energy I'll put in. And so there's a certain amount of like, okay, I know I'll get it done, but it's just making sure I get it done to a level rather than a C level because I've, I've got lazy. And so it's a lot easier for me to see that and have it in the calendar and have the plans. Whereas you can, you can revise for six months and learn nothing because you're just not revising right or you're revising the wrong thing or you're just not really revising because you're reading yeah, it and it's going you're nowhere. T- you're just stressing yourself. More. I mean, <laughs> when um, O-levels, when I did O-levels, um, again, <clears throat> ask, ask your parents. Um, <laughs> I, I was 16 and at the age of 15 and a half is when I got well, expelled um, or indefinitely rusticated from school. So uh, rusticated is sent to the country. And I was... Indefinitely rusticated has to be the name of your autobiography, by the way. <laughs> like it has to be. Um, well, I was... Um, we were breaking out of school. So we're at boarding school. So when I said we were breaking out, we were literally breaking out. We were abseiling down the side of the building. To... You had the dirt. You were wiggling the dirt out of your trouser leg. You know, you had the little wooden carts. It was the whole thing. But yeah, after lights out, we would we would find a way out of the house, usually down a drain pipe or something. Um, and we would go off into the wild night and either find 
um, an off-license that would sell us alcohol and we could uh, go around looking for girls who were doing the same thing or um, go into pubs, uh, even nightclubs, and just being young and foolish. And I was at a stage where I was really bucking against any and all authority. Um, and I remember that when the time was coming that I knew I was for the high jump, I was in the toilets in the basement of the boarding house. I was wearing my, my black jeans covered in zips, um, um, a, a <laughs> T-shirt with the sleeves ripped off. Well, that became a theme, actually. But anyway, um, a sleeveless denim jacket, smoking a fag, and the house tutor, who was a very earnest young man, sort of he knew where I was going to be. So he came down and said, Stuart, headmaster. So I went and my parents were there. Um, and my dad had been brought back in from, he was serving abroad, I think. I was in Brussels, maybe. Um, and they were absolutely horrified that, you know, they bred this sort of rebellious idiot. Um, and they were killing themselves to send me to that school. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible thing. I'm not recommending this to anyone. I mean, it was very funny, but um, I just didn't care. I just wanted, you know, everybody to go forth and multiply. You like sex and travel? <laughs> Off you go. Um, and and the school was, was basically said that you, we can't cope with you. You know, you've got to get a grip. You've got to study, blah, blah, blah. And so that's it. You're being sent to the country. Go home. We want nothing to do with you. You can come back and take your exams. And so the exams, I'm sure like exams where you were, were done in sort of the school gyms and the school halls, mm, yeah, yeah. wooden floors and those little desky things that, you know, I don't think they have anymore. And I was at a public school, so all the kids are sitting there in blazers and ties. And, you know, in walks John Bender in his you know, ripped jeans, <laughs> denim, fag hanging out of my mouth. Um, obviously not smoking, <laughs> smoking outside and just, I have a cigarette there as a sort of fashion accessory. You know, it's what we rebels used to do. Um, <laughs> Did you jump into the air and freeze frame just to give them a little little taste of it, you know? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I would have been a bit cool, cooler than that. Um but I had, I don't know, what did I have? I had three earrings in one ear, one earring in the other. I, 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 was, I was having it. I was Mr. Large. And I just sat at those exams. Boom. A, 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 B. And the B was in religious studies. <laughs> Who cares? But I aced my exams because certainly at the time that, that, that I was doing them, um, they were, they were kind of ability tests rather than learning tests. So yes. you sat down and, and, okay, if you were, if you were relatively smart for your age, which is meaningless when you're 16, to be honest, because, you know, the 17 year old next to you might be three years behind you and the, and the 13 year old to your left might be four years in front of you. You just got no idea. But, um, because of that, I could just do a test without really, I don't I certainly don't recall doing much studying um, and I didn't do any revision. That's for sure. I mean, I was rebel without a clue. What would I be revising? <laughs> um, and that I think undermined quite a lot. I've, I've rebelled against education from, from the time that people started railroading me, which was when I was 10. Um, and I was at, uh, uh, you'd like this on St. Patrick's Day. Our Lady of the Rosary Primary School. Hello. 
um, which was a, a Catholic primary school in Bristol. And it was there that somebody, I think one of the nuns probably said, um, this boy's bright. And they then decided that I should go off to, to public school uh, where I should study double maths, physics and chemistry. Um, <laughs> and the, the hope was that I was going to read maths at uh, Cambridge. That, that, that was all laid out to me when I was 10. Um, so I immediately decided that I was never, ever going to do maths or physics or chemistry. Um, and I was going to do languages instead. And uh, at the school I was at, they went, languages? Are you a girl? <laughs> it was different times, TJ, different times. Yeah. Um, and who knew, now that I'm sort of in my 50s, I'm going, God, learning's great. <laughs> reading all this it stuff. It is funny. You need, to, you need to be at the right time for it. Like your own internal growth, your own mindset, your own life experience. And, and unfortunately, more often than not, Certainly for me, 19-year-old me is very different from 30-year-old me. Yeah. And so, I mean, I still re I really enjoy my undergrad. I don't regret doing it. I, it set me up uh, for the job that I do. And it's let me make really wonderful things that I'm very proud of. And I find it interesting now that I'm kind of going up all 180 and going back to computing, going back to computers and computer science. And it's something that it, it feels like it just cooled down a little bit. You know, it felt like I'd barely left and I came back and went, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, OK. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I get this. And that was really satisfying. That was really nice to come back and go, oh, yeah, no, I still I still have a I still have a knack for this. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily that I'm very, very good at it, but just like I get what they're talking about. It clicks in my head. I understand sure. it. I appreciate it. And I want to learn it. And there's things that have like 2D arrays. Try and figure out 2D arrays still baffle me. An array of numbers inside an array of numbers inside an array of numbers. It's just, my brain melts trying to consider them. See me after but, class, Cosgrove. I'll explain it. <laughs> it's, it fascinates me and it drives me to learn more. You know, every time I read something, I'm like, ooh, I wonder if that connected. And, and when I find myself, like, hungrily learning, like running around going, oh, what's this? What's that? What's that? And then sure. seeking out people and things to go to add to that critical mass. That's when I'm happy. That's when I really enjoy it. And I don't know whether maybe it was because I'd, I'd done filmmaking professionally and I'd struggled to make money myself making films and working on stuff and it had been tough. Maybe that sapped some of the fun out of it for me. And so I wasn't feeling that making films. I knew I could make a fun, interesting film that I would appreciate, but I didn't have any motivation to do so because it was like, well, it just takes so much time and then no one's going to pay me for it. Hassle. You know, you just, you just get jaded. Yeah. And I mean, this I think, feels like uh, was the, it the, the, the Danes it? have done this, haven't they? The Danes have done loads of studies that say the modern economy will require your average person to retrain uh, at least seven times during their career. Wow. To, to, you know, to move on to something new and different because it probably wasn't invented when they started. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an NFT manager. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that, that one you can explain to me afterwards. But um, <laughs> yeah, the, the idea of, you know, you, you sort of go through school and from there you go and do an undergrad and then you go off into, yeah. into a career is so limiting now. I mean, that might be true if you're going to be a lawyer 
um, or a doctor. But I mean, in both of those professions, you never stop learning. You just keep going. Yeah, um, and it's much longer than you do doing a master's as well. Like you're in it for sure. seven or eight years probably by the time you get to the end of it. But but for everyone else, you know, you should probably take people at 18 and say, right, you know, go and, go and work in something that interests you and excites you and go and do that. And then, you know, come back in three years and we'll do a bit of training in this and training in that way. You know, it's, it kind of needs to be rethought, I think, particularly where yeah. you look at the US and the UK and, and tertiary education is a business. That's, yeah, that's its primary function now. I don't care what anybody says. Um, the, the, these things are, you know, sucking huge amounts of money. I mean, if you start as an undergrad now, the fees are humongous in the UK and the States, I believe, is even worse. Um, I mean, the, the fees that I'm paying for, for my degree, I couldn't, I couldn't have paid those when I was younger. Yeah. That's, hmm, it's a slightly scary thought for me, but, uh, on a personal level, as, as you say, I'm really enjoying it. I'm not sure. It's, it's that challenge. I relish the challenge of it now. And it's, it, it gives me something to build and work on and feel satisfaction and frustration in equal measure. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think you're right. I think it's coming back to it and not feeling that you can't because you're 30 or you can't because you're 24 or you can't because you're 60 or whatever it might be. There's no limit to your learning. Like if you can still get up and go into class, you can still go on to teams and learn. You can do it. You should do it. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of benefit to just following what you want to do. And I know that there's that whole thing about, you know, you shouldn't follow your dreams. You can't get a real job, do something that pays the bills and then do your dreams in your spare time. <laughs> there's, there's a whole lot of criticism about what you should and shouldn't do. I'm not here for careers advice. I don't have any to give. Um, but I definitely think finding something that challenges you uh, and, and frustrates you, challenging, frustrating, but then infinitely satisfying when you fix it, when you learn it and when it clicks. I mean, so much of my learning now is that I will come up against a problem, something I need to do on a web page or in a program. I don't know how to do it. I Google how to do it. I look at the wall of completely impenetrable code that I do not understand. And I go, no, 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 dumber. No, 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 <laughs> dumber again. Even dumber. Dumbest of all. Give me it in single syllables. How do I do this? Super dumb. And so, <laughs> just break it down until you're like, okay, write this. I'm like, oh, yeah, got it, got it. Yeah, cool. Next. And literally build up from the bottom to find a way to fix the problem. And once you fix the problem, that is now a solved problem in your head. You may not forget exactly how to do it, but you know roughly what you want to do. For sure. And so for me, it's, it's fixing those little problems, coming up against something, headbutting it, falling over and going, oh, okay, not that way then. <laughs> Doing it over and over again. And then eventually, I find this recently because I've been working on this project for sort of seven or eight months now. I look back at the early work and I'm like, oh, it's trash. It's garbage. I wouldn't use that. That's not how you do that. What are you doing, TJ? What's this? No, 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 no. You could do this in four lines. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, it just, it's just a case of headbutting it over and over again until you go, oh, right, that's how I fix this. And yeah. then the next time you come up against it, you have a path, you have a way to do it. And that's the most satisfying thing for me at the minute is coming up against stuff that I solved before and going, oh, I know how to do this. And then just doing it and it feeling like magic because you remember, not because you revised, but because you did lots of work and you did lots of experiential experiential kind of figuring out 
Mm. And so you just do it. And it's obviously ingrained in there somewhere. You forgot that you knew how to do this. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the satisfying part for me. And that's what I enjoy is, is seeing the fruits of my labor, if you will, seeing the actual understanding and the application of that understanding when I go to do something. Yeah. I, I, it's, um, I mean, what I'm learning, I think, is um, sort of the, the stuff that I've been working on at the moment, right? So I'm reading this and I'm reading that. There's loads and loads of reading, surprise, surprise. And I've had to relearn how to read. And yeah. Yeah, I, I've referenced, I, in our conversations, I've referenced the How to Be a Straight A Student by Cal Newport as one of his, his first books, where he, he's the first person I've read who sort of said, oh, no, no, don't read all the reading. No, that's madness. You, you won't have enough hours in the days for the amount of reading they suggest you do. Uh, take that half an hour to work out which reading you need to do <laughs> and which reading you need to do hard and which you need to do gentle and, um, and just, you know, take that approach of, of, of studying smart and rediscovering that type of, um, I suppose it's analytical thought to say, okay, this is going to be the most important thing. And I'm going to need to read that. I need to understand this. Whereas this, you know, is, is maybe deep background. Um, and then getting myself into uh, organizations and how they work and why they work. Uh, it means that I've, I've got a language now to explain why a certain course mm. of action is the right course of action. Yeah. Whereas before I knew from experience, probably, <laughs> and generally that means I'd got it wrong before, um, I, <laughs> I'd be able to get it right. by this before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas now I can say, okay, well, look, this is what needs to happen and this is why. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a much more coherent and I dare say persuasive argument rather than, well, he's the boss and therefore we have to do it, um, <laughs> which, you know, hopefully makes me more effective. But at the end of the day, I, I, I don't see that there's a particular, you know, financial gain for me in this or, um, I mean, I may be more employable. The fact is I don't particularly want to be employed. So that, 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 that's really not <laughs> what heavens, I'm looking for. No. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Go to work every, every day? Don't be ridiculous. Um, so, um, it, it is that it's that it's, it's gymnastics for the brain. That's what it yeah. is eventually. And I, it's funny because I've heard that saying before about the retraining. And I think, as you say, it will become more, more prevalent and more frequent and less weird to retrain. You know, I think if yeah. 30 years ago, someone said, oh, you know, they were an engineer, but now they're driving cars. You're like, oh, what went wrong? No, 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 they, they, that's what they wanted to do. That wasn't, nothing went wrong. It yep. just changed. They decided they wanted to do something different. Uh, several decades ago, I think that would have been seen as a, oh, ooh, something went wrong. Their, their one degree, their one job for life is, is gone. It's a lot more fluid now. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot more, uh, you can sort of blaze a path wherever you want. You know, if you want to go into law because it fascinates in you or you want to stand up for people who need stood up for you can do that but then if you decide in 10 years you know what i want to parlay that into running a charity you can yep. do that too <laughs> because there's there's nothing stopping you but also it's an interesting um you need to be able to follow a what will be, give you the money to actually live and b what challenges you and what keeps you going and what keeps you interested um, I don't know. 
the idea of working one job in one place in one segment without any growth or expansion or change isn't attractive to me. Uh, you know, no. I want to be challenged. I want to be uh, learning. I want to be able to, to say, oh, I don't know how to do that. How do we figure that out? For sure. I mean, the, the older I get, <laughs> which, you know, it happens, uh, the more I think, you know, unless you believe in reincarnation, then you shouldn't want to, to live in one country. You shouldn't want to do just one job. Because if you're only here the once, <laughs> go and experience <laughs> as much as you can. Just go to the buffet and like, no, no, I'm just having bread, thanks. Uh, yeah. the, the, the Indian food looks amazing. The, the Italian section looks fantastic. But no, no, I'm mm. having dinner rolls with no butter. Thank you. Exactly. Um, uh, but of course, you've got to temper that with, you know, you have to pay for your, pay for your life. You have to you know, make yeah. a living, as they say. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's not as easy sometimes to, no. you know, we're very privileged to be able to say, oh, you can just up sticks and do this, do that. Oh, no, 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 you can't. It's not as easy no, for, sure. for everybody. But yeah, it's, it's, it's understanding that it, there's, there shouldn't be a stigma around deciding, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore and I'm going to go and do something different. Yeah, I, I honestly, truthfully, I can say with my hand on my heart, the most interesting people are the people who've made changes in direction. Yeah, because even... If it's it seems completely unrelated, there's absolutely something they've learned or some skill or lesson or interesting idea that they can bring in that no one's ever thought to do before. Yeah, for because sure. everyone, you know, if you work with computer scientists, people will think like computer scientists. If you work with um, nurses, people will think like nurses. If you work with, uh, let me see, accountants who used to be parachute, uh, para, what do you call it, parachuting instructors or something yeah it's a very different skill set yeah. <laughs> and it may I well prove for if nothing else interesting conversations around the coffee pot absolutely ah oh, well there we are I, I mean we can do next month we can do the great resignation and the future of work there we go or maybe we could just do something <laughs> completely different <laughs> well you need to you need to do the reading for next month Stu, and i'm going to need you to reference your uh your reading and i'm going to need that on my desk by monday morning or else you won't get a grade for this podcast episode. Okay, well, I, I'm, I may be outsourcing the referencing. I'll warn you of that now. <laughs> Just use Obsidian. Just use those little brackets in Obsidian, you'll be grand. Oh, okay. oh, I'll tell you what, this university... But no, all right, we'll have a tangent. Microsoft Word. <laughs> they insist on having the papers in Microsoft Word. And so me being me, I went, okay, fantastic. Microsoft Word has several referencing systems built in. Which one do we use? Oh, no, not one of those. <laughs> Just type it. <laughs> so, so I can't use it. Oh, yeah, you can use it, but you'll have to manually amend each reference. Oh, wouldn't, no. Wouldn't it be quicker for me just to type them in? Mm, some people decide that. <sighs> there you go. There's, there's some of the drawbacks of academia. <laughs> I, there's drawbacks like that everywhere, Stu. That's true. Not exclusive to That's true. That's very true. <laughs> anyway, I've been Stu Lennon. And I've been TJ Cosgrove. Remember to make the past, the present, in the future. This was a very educated, or trying to be educated, episode of 1857.